Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 127. Recording on a Wednesday, so by Sunday, if you're listening and the world has completely changed as we know it by then, then apologies. But the show must go on. And today I'm joined by a debutant, Football Index Iceberg, who's hit the Football Index Twitter scene with some force. You've got yourself quite a following, mate. I have, yeah. Thanks for having me on. I've been on the Twitter for about a year now, and it's only really the last three months that I've got quite a few followers. <laughs> Tell me a bit more about your Football Index journey and then when do you decided to do all the icebergy stuff? So I joined Football Index on early January 2019. I'd seen it advertised a few times and it was probably third time lucky. I just decided to sign up, did the usual, put £10 in, saw how it went. It was making a small amount of money every day, just kept putting more and more in and kept enjoying it. Probably about a year later, I started these weird donut graphic things that I do. I kind of did one for, I think it was Cristiano Ronaldo. And that was a slow process that I literally got a protractor out and it was measuring the angles out. And <laughs> that's why I was reluctant to do it every day at the time. But being a software engineer, I put my skills to use and made a wee bit of software which generates them automatically. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah, finally found a use for my nerdiness. <laughs> that's really cool. And for me, it's really refreshing to see because... It is so good to learn from a visual perspective if you've never used FI before, if you don't really understand how the PB scoring works, then this is just perfect, isn't it? Yeah, I was kind of just looking through, can't remember who won that day, it must have well, really been Ronaldo. I think it was a bit of a confusing score of how he beat somebody else, can't remember who it would have been. So I looked into it and thought that might be quite useful for other people to know, and then the rest is history. It is indeed. Do you get annoyed at people requesting certain scores? Let's not say annoyed. Let's say <laughs> I'm happy to do them. There's times where I'm busier than others and it's a bit not annoying. Annoying is the wrong word, but it's kind of, I want to go and do them, but I can't. But I always try and do them as quickly as I can. Yeah, as I said, it is really awesome to see. I mean, what are you going to be doing now that there's no football on? I think we've got a couple of questions <laughs> below. That is a good question. <laughs> there's a few things I'm working on, a few different types of graphs, all dividend related that I'm kind of working on in preparation for football coming back but also for the media dividends that will be ongoing i'm trying to find ways to keep relevant really yeah i think you should also do kind of like kind of miscellaneous ones as well just random ones like how many times someone's tweeted in a day what they've <laughs> yeah. tweeted it about like yeah just pick a trader and uh, use them or something like that that'd be funny <laughs> that's a good idea We've got some nice comments here from nugget Really looking forward to this one. Someone who provides quality content for the benefit of the community. EJ Ramos says, a football index legend in the making. No question for me, just grateful for his content and involvement in the FI community. Long may it continue. Nice comments. Were they, yeah. they good to see? Nice to hear. <laughs> Miscellaneous question here from FI Showpony, the man himself. Just for fun, while there's no football on, do you fancy doing wheels for the media scoring breakdown for each day, showing the breakdown of the sources for each day's first place? Would genuinely be a cool visual. That's something I have thought about doing and I'll probably do it a couple of times soon, hopefully. To be honest, I'm quite enjoying having nights to myself at the minute. So <laughs> I've kind of taken a, the last week or so away from it. But I, I, I'll do a few of them, see how they go. Fair enough. <laughs> Index KR has a question here. What team do you support? Oh, Middlesbrough. <laughs> Less said about that, the better. How are they doing these days? Not good, <laughs> to say the least. We're just outside the relegation zone of the playoffs. But it's been not a great season for us this year. I wasn't born in Middlesbrough, I was born or near Hull. And I now live in Scotland, so it's a bit of a strange team to support, really. But 
My <laughs> granddad was born there and it's kind of been, the curse has been passed through the generations ah, to me. <laughs> a lot of people curse their granddads for that, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get into the questions, just need to remind you guys that this podcast is sponsored by Index Gain, their third party data provider. And uh, you can basically get £5 off your first month with the code FIG2020. That's not all. If you go for their semi-annual plan, you get one month free and then another five quid off on top with the code FIG2020. And that's over on indexgain.co.uk. I don't know if you use them at all, Iceberg. I use the free version of it because I'm a cheapskate. <laughs> Slackbot is great. I'll use that quite a lot just to get a quick... Obviously, it's not the full report you get with the free version, but mm. it's quite good information anyway. Yeah, and today they've just recently launched a report or uh, a system that it basically gives you a live stream of stories that get buzz points for media, So, which is pretty awesome. They're doing quality stuff over there in Index Gain. Definitely do check it out. Yeah, I've been thinking about upgrading, so... <laughs> Here we go. Alive sales. <laughs> Are you on commission? <laughs> well, you know, no comment. <laughs> we get into the questions here. I've got a few myself, and then we've got one from FI Gardener. I'm going to start partitioning the first half of the show to COVID-related stuff, which is not great, but I think it's good to talk about. We have to talk about it. So what do you make of the market since COVID has actually rapidly spread across the UK mainly? I mean, we saw some effects on FI as it spread throughout Europe, but as it's hit the UK a bit harder, and at the moment we're at 2,500 cases, could be any number by Sunday, unfortunately. How have you found the market since? Volatile is the one word answer to that. There's been a massive dip. There's no hiding from that. And uh, I think it has kind of slowed down a wee bit now. It's still going down slightly, but not as extremely. But I think there might be a few more dips to come as more news comes out. Yeah, I think it's really hard to say, right, in terms of the yeah. market side <laughs> of things. But I do agree, like people should anticipate that it could go lower before it goes higher or it could go higher from this point. We don't really know. However, there are so many uncertainties and until those uncertainties become, I keep saying this, certainties, it's so hard to judge right now, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. There's people out there that know a lot more about what's going on than we do, but we've just got to kind of play the speculation game and if we think it's starting to bottom out, put more money in, take advantage of it really. I guess the latest bit of clarity we've had is that euros are going to be shifted over to 2021. And that is under the presumption that it would give more so air for the actual leagues to breathe, to finish. I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons they've done it. Do you think that's a good move? And also, do you think that's good for the FI market? I think it's good for some players, maybe not others. I think, obviously, if the season finishes, there's more PB games. So all the PB players will be... You'll be back in action. Back in action, yeah, exactly. But then that might impact the media players who won't have as many media days. So it also affects some players that were possibly going to miss the Euros, but now we're going to be backing them like Memphis Depay and Zaniolo. Lana Dembele. Dembele, yeah. So, Ricardo Pereira, yeah, there was quite a few. I saw that, a few tweets going around about that, which was quite interesting. Yeah, so they'll be rubbing their hands together. Glad to be back in contention, really. <laughs> I mean, it's quite interesting to see, right? The Euros is... A big tournament, probably the second biggest international tournament out there after the World Cup. But I do think that that line in the sound is, for me, probably good for the, the index because it gives us more clarity. It's better to have, I think, for me, in a market, the optimum thing is to have good certainty. And what I mean by that is that the certainty that you have in front of you is, is really positive and good. The sentiment is high in those certainties. So euros being on, we're in a bull market, like everything's rosy, there's no COVID-19 out there, blah, blah, blah. 
The next rung down from that is actually probably having certainty, but it actually not being necessarily positive. Because for me, the rung down from that, which is uncertainty, and I would put that as the, the kind of bottom layer, I think that's the worst thing for a market. And that's, I think, what we've seen in, in most financial markets in the world at the moment, because people don't know how long this thing's going to last for. I think we see that in FI as well. And we see that again in previous situations where the market hasn't done as well on FI is most of the time that's happened when there's more uncertainty. Absolutely, yeah. When you look back at the big dips, it's been before big announcements have been suggested. Like the share split, there's a big drop before that because nobody really knew what was going on mm. too much with that. So yeah, uncertainty does make people question where their money should be and then maybe take it out and have a cash balance rather than invest it in certain players. And for me, do you think that the more clarity we get on when football is going to start, for example, the more we'll see things kind of return to normality? Yeah, I think depending on the date that it's going to be returning, then it will still impact which players go up, which ones go down. Because if it turns out to be there's no more football this year, again, like I said, it'll be certain that media players will go up. But there'll be that level of certainty that these are the players that will be good. Whereas at the minute, nobody knows whether to be buying PB players, media buzz players, in play, dividend players, anyone. As we add, get more certainty on the situation, I think it maybe won't stabilise the market, but we'll be seeing more reasonable trends, I think, rather than just not panic buying, but <laughs> lack of panic selling. How have you found FI's response to it so far? I've really liked the way they've gone about handling it. Well, they had the three announcements the other day, or the three tactics, I guess, to deal with the drop. There was the double dividends, which obviously that's fantastic for everybody, getting twice as much money back from your holds, so can't really complain about that one. There was the moving the goalposts, so decreasing the number of games for gold days. That one didn't really have much of an impact, as it turned out, because football was cancelled straight away. Yeah, like within a week of that announcement, it, we are kind of like where we stand now, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I liked the idea because there was so much uncertainty with the fixtures and all that. But unfortunately for them, it didn't really work out as well. And increasing the spreads was another thing they did. And I, I think there's been a few negative comments about that, but that was absolutely the right thing to do for me. If they hadn't touched the spreads, I think the drops would have been three or four times as bad with people panic selling. Let's talk about the spreads a little bit more because I think a lot of people have been yeah, as you said, there's been some negative sentiment towards that. What have you seen that's been the main negative comments about those spreads? goes back to the whole changing the bet. I don't know what you call that. Complaint, really. Moving the goalpost complaint. Moving the goalpost, yeah. <laughs> in the, the more negative sense. But it isn't. The spread is not something that determines the intrinsic value of the bet. No, it's just, it's a part of the, I'm going to call it a game, but it's not really, it's a part of the platform, really. You can still market sell. It's not impacting what you can get for the share. It's just impacting a small part of, I don't know, really. It's just, it's stabilizing the market is how they've done that. It's stopping people from just instant selling the whole portfolio for maybe a 5% spread. That would have happened a lot more if they hadn't increased the spreads there. I'm sure of that. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people just clearly didn't understand that instant sell has to always be there. The FI have to offer a cash out. This is a non-discretionary kind of offer from FI to buy back a bet at this price. And I think a lot of people need to kind of think about that and understand that. It kind of showed to me how many people didn't really grasp the kind of thing that they were putting money into. Well, certainly when I started just over a year ago, I didn't know market sale existed. <laughs> That's my own my fault. <laughs> I didn't read the rules properly. 
I think I've seen a few things on Twitter of people in the same situation. They just were just instant selling everybody. And obviously that means you're going to be finding it harder to make a profit at the beginning because you've got to take into account the 2% commission plus the spread. When I found out about market sell, it was just a complete game changer. And I think they have made a change recently to the sell screen and they've slightly more explained what each option is. I think that's a good step they took a while. I think it was a few months ago now. Yeah, there does seem to be a group of people that don't grasp what instant sell is actually there for. Mm. And just on this, there's been a lot of people talking about kind of like, oh, I wish there were order books in place now. Like, How strong is your grasp of how order books work? And do you think this would have been a an amazing, not opportunity for FI to have order books in place, but if they were in place, we would have seen kind of a, a far different market? I'm still trying to get to grips with order books. I've not got that much experience with them. I've had some stocks through work, which use order books to buy and sell them. So that kind of gave me some experience, but I'm by no means the expert on them. I think there were some people instant selling something like Jaden Sancho for six pounds. Yeah. If you had order books there, somebody would have had a right bargain from that. Exactly. I do think that's the thing, right? Like I think imagine if order books were in place, you would have had the, the 10 pound buy and you would have had the kind of six pounds instant sell. And then people would have been able to buy for less than that and sell for higher than that. So eventually his price would have probably gone up to, you know, in the middle of that, but it wouldn't have fallen to six pounds and it might not have been at 10 pounds, but it would have been a fairer determination of the value. The other side of it is if FI could actually make sure that the buy price stays there, but we can only buy or sell between that spread at a lower price, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I know what you're trying to say there. (laughs) Try my best to articulate that. (laughs) I think order books are definitely coming. They've confirmed that recently. And I think that it's going to be something else for us to get our heads around, especially those of us that don't have much trading experience. But I think that in the long run, that's going to be good. Do you think if I should have done anything further, there's been a lot of calls for like quintuple media places and, and so on and so forth. Or do you think they're kind of biding their time and, and doing the right thing here? I think they should open up Media Madness at this point. For those of you that weren't on summer last year, that involved opening media up to five places over the summer just to keep things interesting. And that's basically the same situation as we're in now, just slightly earlier in the year. There's no matches. So this is essentially the summer season for the footballers. Would you add like one penny places for four and five fifth place? I think so, yeah. The way it worked for Media Madness last year was... It was three pence for first place, two for second, and then third, fourth, and fifth got one pence. I think that's right. I think if we stick with the five, three, one, and then add two more one pence positions, that's going to help more players win. And I think it should reduce the panic selling when like Bruno Fernandes doesn't win media one day. I think that would reduce the amount that he drops on that one day. Mm. I'm just trying to find exactly what the media madness was. Yeah, you are right. Good memory. Three, two, one, one, one. I, I think if they were to do it, I think it would just genuinely be what it is now, plus another one penny for fourth and fifth. The issue is that some of these scores are going to be really small. I mean, if I open up FI right now, you know, the top scorer is 300 points, Pogba, Gareth Bell 280, Fernandez 260, Abamyang 230, Sane 160. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but we just might see a lot of tied scores, a lot of confusion, etc. So I see why maybe they're they're hesitant to do that. But the thing is, though, there are a lot of people saying they need to stimulate the lower end of the market. But like, does that happen over a regular summer? Do FI necessarily stimulate that part of the market? I think, no, they don't. There'll be some 
players down the bottom end of the market, they will get big raises over the summer because of transfers. That's not really going to be happening at this time of the year because the transfer window's not open. So I don't think they do need to stimulate it at all, really. There will be some transfer rumours and they'll get raises of them, but there won't be any confirmed transfers or anything. So I can see the argument for, but I think there's no need to do it at this point. The other argument has been, should Football Index kind of show their hands in terms of the dividend table for next season? What do you think about that? I don't know about that one. I saw something about that earlier on, but didn't really have time to consider it. On one hand, it would make the market a bit more stable because you'd know exactly what you'd have going into next season. But I don't know. This season isn't finished yet, so maybe get this one over and done with first. But as I say, maybe stability is better at this point. As you say, the certainty would be reintroduced if they said that. But do you think FI as a business could actually do that? Do you think they could sit down and say, this is what we're going to pay out next season for a season that we don't know when it's going to start and we don't know what financial position we're going to be in at that point? It'd be really tough for them, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. Probably got enough on their plate at this point already trying to work out what they're doing now rather than worrying about a season which who knows when it starts. They'll be in the same situation as us checking the FA news. Maybe not at panic stations, but they'll have the same level of uncertainty as we do at this point, really. Nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. And it seems silly to make big decisions at this point and announce, as you say, something that's not going to happen anytime soon in a level of uncertainty like this. I do think that, yeah, you are right. On the uncertainty point in terms of the whole world having uncertainty and not just us as an FI community, that's something people need to consider as well. It's super important to think about that. My last question before we ask a question from the community, how important is it for people to have like a long-term outlook here? Very. <laughs> this is probably, well, obviously the next couple of weeks will probably drop a little bit, but at this point, this is the lowest we'll be probably. Maybe I redrop after the double dividends run out and the, the deposit bonus as well, but it can only go up from here really, in my opinion. It's the same as with the global stock markets and all that. They're at such a low point. Once we know what's going on, once hopefully COVID-19 clears up, we should see increases across the board. So if you zoom out of your, I don't know how many people keep daily records of how their portfolio is doing, but if you zoom out of your chart that shows your progress, you'll see most people are still in profit, even after these big drops. Mm, for sure. I think it's a wise thing to say. And who knows, you know, markets could go even lower. I think they've fallen 30, 40% from peak, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, if I bring up the FTSE 100 here, yeah, we're at the bloody hell, lowest point since fucking 2015 so i mean it's at 53661 and we dropped from 7585 yeah like a 2000 point drop there which is which is pretty meaty pretty substantiated but in the short term it kind of yeah global stocks tumble as the pound falls to a 35 year low it's not a great outlook out there it's it's pretty grim so a lot of people have been saying that fi has kind of held up quite well in comparison obviously it has, it's completely yeah. different we don't want to compare it to securities and, and actual regulated markets but in terms of kind of fi being the market maker and, and having the ability to stop capital leaving the platform to some extent or at least it all leaving in its entirety they've done very well yeah well if you look at some stocks after the there's a market crash in 2008 2009 yeah. i think it was if you look at some of the prices back then you're looking at them thinking that's an absolute bargain somebody could have bought that company at that tiny price they zoom out and look at the five-year graph the maximum graph or whatever it looks like a big drop and it is but you can see there's an opportunity there to get back on at the right time and just ride it upwards again yeah and that's the same with football index there was like a f almost 50 percent drop in the the footy 
the FTSE, sorry, <laughs> in 2008, 2009. And the next peak was kind of in, in 2011 and then 2015 and then up till now, basically. And now we've had this drop. So it's been a turbulent time in the world. Obviously, FI are never going to be insulated from that, but, but let's see what happens. FI Gardner has a question here. Obviously, these are pretty tub- turbulent times, but drops in portfolios of 10 to 15% is nothing when compared to FI three or four years ago. Could you discuss what it was like back then to alleviate any concerns people might be having now? And obviously, you've already said that you weren't on FI three or four years ago, but even a year ago, can you remember bigger volatility than we have now? Yeah, I think three months into me starting was the share split. And there was a quite a big drop before that. And obviously being quite a new trader, I'd, and in January last year, there was quite a big surge as new people joined and there was quite a lot of money going into the index. And all of a sudden, the money's disappearing again. And as a new user, I was kind of panicking. I was thinking, do I just take my money out? Is this thing peaked? Am I going to lose all my money now? Luckily, I kept in because that was that would have been three months I would have cut my journey short at three months and that would have been a bit of a disaster because as soon as the share split happened, there was just the market took off again. It was absolutely flying. Another one of these, obviously it's slightly different here because I think the drop's going to be a bit longer, but there was pretty much a constant fall. Every day was maybe 1%, half a percent, 2% down the way. And it was kind of demoralizing to see every day when you were checking the app, but you weather through it and then you reap the rewards at the end of it. I think for me, if I could try and alleviate concerns by trying to give a good example, I was talking about it on the live stream of of FIFA that I was doing with uh, Showpony, Matt, just talking about some FI stuff, Football Index, FIFA and Chill. Check that out if you haven't already. I was talking about Murata about two and a half years ago over the summer. Essentially what happened, he became United's number one target. And this was at a time when there was no PB, remember. He was United's number one target and... Essentially, it went up quite a lot and then started falling when it was apparent that Milan came into the reckoning and he was likely to go there. He went up to about 550, something like that, 570. And then when he was in Milan to kind of negotiate, talk to them, maybe you have medicals or whatever, he fell to a low of about £1.30 or something like that. And then, so he went from £5.70 to £1.30. And then when he eventually signed for Chelsea, he was back at £5.50 all in the space of like three weeks, which is bloody insane, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think we saw something quite similar with Bruno Fernandes before he joined Manchester United as well. He yeah. Looked like he was going to sign for them, so he jumped up, don't know how much, maybe £2, £3. Then all of a sudden, maybe he wasn't going to join, so he went straight back down again and back <laughs> up, back down, back up. The drop's not as extreme, but still pretty interesting and crazy to observe. I think it's definitely become a more stable market as we've gone on. Obviously, the peaks and troughs can become bigger and more logical, I think. Back then, it was just like if they were moving to a club that isn't in the Premier League, their price was going to get absolutely... They were worthless. (laughs) Yeah, they were going to get butchered pretty much. Not the best thing. Before we move on, just need to remind you guys that this podcast is supported by The Athletic. And if you guys don't have a subscription at this point in time, I do recommend it greatly because they are putting out some awesome stories and content for people while there is no football around and also any ongoings about whether when football will start etc especially in the Premier League they have got some really good articles on that and as I mentioned this episode is brought to you by The Aesthetic they're a subscription-based sports news website they feature football reporters you know and love like David Ornstein, James Pierce, Sam Lee and Rafa Honigstein who's actually appearing on the Football Index podcast I think soon the official one 
And if you want 50% off your annual subscription uh, to the best sports writing around, then I genuinely do think it is the best sports writing around. I'm not just saying that because it's an ad read. You can go over to theathletic.co.uk forward slash fig. So that's theathletic.co.uk slash fig. It's £2.49 a month. And if you go for their annual deal, it's cheap as chips. £2.49 a month for a year. You get it for a whole year. What are some things that cost more than £2.49, Iceberg? Uh, meal deal at Tesco. Yeah, solid. <laughs> Is that still three quid? Three quid, yeah. Not too bad. I mean, they've kept that reasonably uh, priced, even with inflation. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> Got a question here from FI Lambings. Great guest, love Iceberg Index's work and contributions to the crossing multiple goal debates. Given your closeness and understanding of the matrix and winners, would you change the PB matrix to better represent on-pitch influence and performance, or would you even? I wouldn't change it too much. I think okay. it's almost there. There's a few things. Obviously, crossing index is something that's been rumbling <laughs> on for a while now. I had a look at it. Three points for cross is probably slightly too much. I'd put that down to two. I'd leave accurate cross the same. I think that would... Well, for example, Kostic did 31 crosses in one game. That would have got him 93 points just from the crosses, even if they all went straight out of play. If you put that down to two, then that loses him 31 points. And I think that's probably a slightly better reflection. As people that argue against crossing having such a high rating say, they are just lumping the ball into the box sometimes and getting three points a shot for it. So I'd slightly decrease that. And I'm not sure what other people's opinions on this is. I've seen a few things on Twitter again about having a bonus for a hat-trick or mm. multiple goals. I think a hat-trick bonus is a good idea. It's meant to be about which players perform the best on that given day. And if somebody scores a hat-trick to ultimately help the team win, I think that's deserves rewarding, really. Mm. But do you think goals are already rewarded really highly? I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. I'm not being a dick. <laughs> yeah, they are. But I think scoring a hat-trick is quite a rare thing and it should be... This is just my opinion. I know other people disagree with this, but I think it's an achievement, really. It deserves its own category, even if it means maybe taking five points off a goal and giving them an extra 30 for a hat-trick. Maybe that's how they do it. But I think there should be some reward for scoring multiple times. Yeah, it's, it's so true. It's a feat in itself. I know I've spoken to a few people about it and they've already said, well, you do get bonuses. They've already increased a goal. So by getting a hat-trick, it's now worth 15 more points than it was back in the day, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I would say that uh, hat-tricks should be more than 15, though, so maybe mm. put the goals back to where they are and give them maybe 30 for a hat-trick or wow. something like that. <laughs> You're going out on a limb there. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my opinion. You've got to play the Matrix, as, again, Twitter always says, you've just got to play with the rules that you're given, really. So, Are there any other things that you think could be changed? I mean, crossing is an interesting one. It's certainly... I just want to make it clear now that I, I really don't think FI are going to change the matrix for another, like, I don't think next season. I think next season will be the same matrix. If they change anything, I think it'll be after that. You know, with the crossing, I think a lot of the things that have been on my mind are like, you know, if someone puts a cross in from a corner and it goes out for a corner, they get eight points. Is that the kind of thing that you want to see less rewarded or is it just genuinely maybe reduce crossing and increase successful crosses, for example? Are you suggesting that you'd have a penalty for unsuccessful crosses maybe not maybe a penalty but i'd maybe make those less points than a normal yeah so one that it's goes hard. straight out for a goal kick should be worth maybe one point and a one that goes into a dangerous area two points yeah but then does opt to have those kind of stats i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it might be on there somewhere that's for the 
opter people, opter scientists or whatever they're called to find out. <laughs> Do you think there's also this misconception that this kind of changed the subject, but that, you know, fullbacks and centre back or fullbacks win a lot more than centre backs and strikers don't win as much as wide players? Like, when actual fact, those kind of stats don't seem to marry up. What do you think gives people the impression that this actually happens? That, you know, fullbacks win a lot more dividends than centre backs and that strikers win a lot more dividends than players out wide, etc.? I think that could come down to the fact that the fullbacks that have won, the one that springs to mind is Alexander Arnold. Mm. A lot of his wins have come from not doing much. They kind of stand out as, I'm going to air quote this, undeserved winners. For example, a centre back usually wins if they've got a goal and a clean sheet. Maybe it's just because of passing sometimes, but the ones that stand out are the ones that are, they maybe well think Alexander Arnold won the other day in a three 0 defeat or something, didn't he? Or three two defeat, yeah. So he didn't really do much, but he still won, and I think that's the ones that stand out as not fair. But that's the ones that kind of highlight there might be a slight problem with the index yeah. or with the matrix. Or is it harder and harder to change it though? The bigger this thing gets, and do FI really need to be careful with it? They do, yeah. I think at the start changing it. I think they've said they're going to review it between every season now. But if they start doing that, then people are going to be calling it for it to change maybe every half a season and then could end up every couple of weeks they're going to be changing it. And that's not going to be good. I think you're probably right. They shouldn't change it this season coming either. I think some kind of, again, we keep coming back to the word consistency, but I think that's what they need to do here is keep it the same and then, or maybe slight changes, probably not the hat-trick bonus this year. Maybe decrease the crosses slightly or increase something else to make up for it. But yeah, I don't think they need to change it. Even once a year seems quite a lot, changing the rules of a game essentially. And do you think do you think they'd probably have to up dividends if they were going to change anything? Especially if we, I don't know, say they did it at the end of the 2020-21 season. They would maybe want to increase or do it in line with the dividend review? I don't think those two things are related really. I think it's just changing who wins rather than how they win or how much they win. The dividend increases tend to come with more people being involved and higher prices, meaning you need a bigger yield or after a share split as well, when the value of the player has changed really, rather than, well, if you were to change the matrix, some players would go up and you'd kind of think maybe that's worth changing the payouts, but other players would go down. So it's just moving the winners around really, rather than yeah. changing the frequency of them. You make a good point. I do think there is some tweaking to be done, but I suppose the thing that's been or come more under scrutiny recently is media buzz, which is, I think, uh, less of your specialty, but I'd like to touch on it anyway. It's definitely come to the forefront now. Do you think there's a lot of work to be done in that regard? Yeah. Again, it's one of these things that you see criticised quite a lot on social media, just especially, I put a tweet out last night about the winners of the double dividend so far, and I think 84 pence of the eight had gone to Man United players. And that's something that I've seen a few times being called the Man United Index and it's a bit Man United heavy, the media buzz. So I think there's something will be changed soon enough with that. And we've seen that with the survey that's gone out. They've asked us what we want to change and I don't know about other people, I've seen a few people and myself have said, well, for example, the athletics should be included in the media. Maybe social media as well, because it's media at the end of the day. If, if somebody scores an amazing goal and is trending, that should be included in media in my opinion. Can that be led to far more manipulation, though, the social media side of things? That is true. I don't know how you regulate for that. Because, <laughs> yeah, you're right, you could just get somebody spamming 100 tweets about Messi scoring a tap-in at the back post or something, putting them to the top of the table. Yeah, you'd have to be careful with how you do that. 
but certainly there should be more blogs like The Athletic and I'm sure there's others out there as well that I think should be included rather than just it's not all old print there's a few websites like TalkSport I think are included but I think there should be more varied sources and especially if you're opening up to other regions you can't just have British ones can you yeah you, you can't really open up in Spain Germany Portugal and have just the Express Daily Star the Guardian even the Athletic etc it has to be more of a global field doesn't it yeah, it does. And I think if that does happen, the value of a lot of players will change as well. For example, if you open up to Germany, then somebody like Sancho, who obviously is quite highly valued on the index already, but he'll be in the media quite a lot over there, I imagine. Maybe like Lewandowski as well would become more media friendly. So that would obviously make them more valuable, but it might also subtract from some of the English players as well. Yeah, very true. Very true. In terms of the sentiment scoring matrix, I do think that there is a lot more work to be done there than there is maybe in in getting more publications out there. I think stuff like having to have both the first name and the second name of a player in a title for its count is a bit silly. I think stuff like having quotation marks in the title, making it so that those words that in those quotation marks don't count is, is crazy as well. Like There are just so many rules that aren't common sense, basically. A word in Football Index's favour as a software engineer, I know some of the technical difficulties that would come with some of the changes that are suggested. So I think they are needed, but I think we may have to be a bit patient and let them work out the best way of doing it. Maybe it's best to get your thoughts on it then. Like, Could you give us in layman's terms some of the things that would be really difficult to change? Well, for example, the first name, surname thing, if you were just, I don't have any kind of knowledge of their technology or anything, but if you're just doing a search for, for example, Pepe, for Nicolas Pepe from Arsenal. That's going to pick up articles for the Portuguese Pepe, I think he's at Besiktas now. And there's no way really of, other than manually checking it, there's no way of deciding which one it's for. So it would have to go to both of them. So they would have to have something in place to actually work out which Pepe that belongs to. And we've seen that happen before quite recently when he was in the media and mm. the Portuguese Pepe was top of the media <laughs> most of the morning because of that. Could you not somehow scrape the articles or have some sort of auto thing that scrapes those. I mean, I'm being very naive in my questioning here, but since we've got a man of your talents on here, <laughs> it's best to take advantage of that. Would you not be able to just automatically scrape the full article and check whether or not it's talking about the right Pepe? If you're reading the full article, then yeah. But if they're just reading the headlines, then that's hard to do. I'm, mm. Again, I don't know exactly how they're doing it. But if they could read the full source, then maybe it could look further down for both first name and surname. Maybe it could look for a team name. There's probably a few options in there. I'm sure they're looking into this as we speak, or, or maybe not quite because it's <laughs> quite late at night. But yeah, I'm sure they're looking for the best way of doing this. And I'm pretty confident they'll sort it out one way or the other. You touched on tech there. Is there any other things that happen from a technical standpoint in the FI platform where you as an engineer suddenly are looking at that and like, oh, that's a bit wrong? Or are there things that happen where Twitter is kind of lambasting FI and you're like, well, actually, what they're trying to do here isn't that easy? There's been a few times like that, yeah. I can't think of any example off the top of my head other than, for example, when the match day rankings go down or they go a bit wonky sometimes. I'm annoyed by them. And just as anybody else would be, I'm annoyed that it's not working. But at the same time, I've got sympathy for them because I know exactly their office will be people running around going mental. And I've been in that situation many a time and it's not pleasant. What are some of the reasons that that could be happening? (laughs) I think you're probably asking the wrong person for that. (laughs) It's probably just some little bug that's not been handled before. Obviously, they'll test things thoroughly before they release them, but my line of work, there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong, and we've got 
thorough testing and we come back a day after giving it to the customer and they've broken it. <laughs> you can't test 100% of the functionality. You've just got to, got to get out there live in the market. Put it out the door at some point. With it. Exactly, yeah. There's always going to be somebody that breaks it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll move on from that because I'm not sure that many people will be interested or maybe they will be. Maybe we'll see in the responses. Got a question for you from FI Jack. What player's breakdown chart has been the most surprising or been the most convincing in influencing you to buy or sell a player? That's interesting. It is, yeah. The two that sprung out to me were both at Bayern Munich. It was Kimmich and Thiago Alcantara. There's just a lot of passing going on. And obviously Kimmich is known as being Mr. Second Place this season, although he's picked up a bit recently. But I was making one of those charts. It was just really impressive across the board stats. It wasn't just one, for example, I don't want to slate Alexander-Arnold too much, but a lot of what he does is just crossing. That's a big chunk of his graph. Kimmich was high scoring across the board, really. And the same for Thiago Alcantara. He's just a lot of passes again, but also ball recoveries and key passes and a few shots in there as well. An idea I've had recently, I've, I think I've tweeted a couple of times about it, is tracking the player score throughout a game. So like watching the score tick up every time he passes the ball across the ball. And I think that would be quite interesting to see because you'd see people like Kimmich or whoever, you see their score going up gradually and kind of building up a big score over time. Whereas you'd see somebody else like Haaland or Immobile or whoever scores a lot of goals, they'd be quiet for a long period of time. But then all of a sudden they'd go up maybe four or five points for a goal or 80 if it's a game-winning goal or whatever. It would be quite interesting if they could get a chart to show that and you'd see the different style of PB players, really. You can either get a big score over the course of the game or over one or two moments in the match. I think there are players like that where they won't do anything for, for 20 minutes. Probably Neymar's like one, but then rack up like 50 points in five minutes. That kind of like, you know, difference in terms of having a dynamic scorer and a, a scorer that kind of just ticks over. It can be quite good and bad when you're trading in play, but also over the longer term, it can really surprise people. When you're looking at kind of PB scores more generally, do you think about kind of those averages or those peak scores more? Peaks for me. I do consider PB as well when I'm buying somebody, but sorry, let's say peak, I meant average. <laughs> um, I do consider that as well because you've kind of got to be up there as an average, but if you can get an average of 150, 180, that's great. But if you're not going to get a goal, then you're never going to get above that and you're never going to have much of a chance of winning. Certainly not on a, a gold match day. So I think peak has to be up there. Number of scores over 200 is always good to consider as well. That's actually my favourite thing to look at on the uh, index game dashboard all the time. The number of times a player scores over a certain amount of points, which I think is, is super useful because the reason being is that there are only so many dividends to go around and actually a player's yield or the amount of dividends they've won isn't necessarily an indicator of how good they are at winning PB. Exactly, yeah. There's a bit of luck involved, but at the same time, if you can score consistently over 200, you've got a chance of winning most weeks, really. Exactly. And I think like it's not even about the, the consistency. It's like the if you can do it this many times over a season, then you've got this kind of probability of actually winning over a season, if that makes sense. Yeah. And there's also the unfortunate players that do quite often score over 200, but somebody else gets over 300 that day and they end up <laughs> winning nothing. So there is timing involved as well. Yeah, for sure. We've got a question here from FI Mark. Can you do some season so far PB and MB icebergs for some standout players? Also some icebergs for people splitting their PB, MB and IPD dividend returns maybe. He says, keep up the good work. I think he's 
trying to commission you for a big load of work there. <laughs> that is already in progress. I've oh wow, exciting! I've got some new. I've, yeah, I've been developing the famous software that I keep mentioning, adding a few different graph types. So with lockdown potentially coming, then hopefully it will be sooner rather than later because I won't be leaving the house. You'll have a lot of time <laughs> on your hands, won't you? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm hoping to add a few media graphs and a few overall season graphs and a few other types rather than just daily things. When you're making them look all nice and pretty, is that through Photoshop or is that uh, automated kind of thing that you're you're doing? The first one was through Photoshop, but the most recent ones have been just through the tool that I wrote. I'm going to be changing them slightly, I think. I'm not entirely happy with how they look just now, but yeah, it's all automatically done. Well, they look very nice. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a couple of questions now, like, where do you see the, the future of this platform? What would you change and what would you like to see? I think the next logical step is, in terms of growth, is moving to another region. Germany seems to be the favourite at the minute. I think that would obviously give us more users, but also I think it would change the market slightly in terms of, as I've mentioned before, the media players would change and there's probably going to be a bit more interest in PB players from Germany as well. I think the product... It sounds silly after, because it's been going for, was that four years now, I think it's been going? But it is still a baby, really, the product. It's still growing all the time, really, whether it's new technology or new rules or just changes to how it works. I think if it keeps going the way it's going, it's going to be massive in the next couple of years. I think the recruitment's been great recently as well. The TV adverts and mm. obviously sponsoring Nottingham Forest, that's great. <laughs> yeah, just playing FIFA with them and you know having them on the FIFA like FI's advertisement on a FIFA. That's pretty crazy. I was just playing football manager as well and FI are still advertising on the advertising holdings around right. the virtual football manager <laughs> games, which is pretty interesting. I've been trying to get one of my mates to sign up for it for a long time and he's kind of been resisting slightly and he's a Forest fan. Really? Never been to a game because obviously he lives up in Scotland as well. Oh, right, okay. He went down to the city ground, I think it was October last year sometime. And he was in the toilet and there was a sign for Football Index and he <laughs> signed up because of the sign in the toilet. Oh, really? So the marketing's working. What were some of his uh, reservations in terms of not wanting to join? I think he was more of a traditional gambler and he just kind of liked putting a few pounds on every week on an accumulator. Maybe not so much with him, but a few of my friends that I've tried to convince to sign up up here in Scotland. A lot of Scottish football fans are just Scottish football fans. Mm. They'll maybe have an English team, but they don't follow it as much as they do Scotland. I'm That's not saying yeah. for a second that the SPL should be added in, because <laughs> I think that would be mayhem. Might as well add the championship, right? Might as well, yeah. <laughs> Was that too harsh? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think if we did add the SPL, Celtic players would be probably the most expensive players on the index because they'd just be <laughs> running right every week. So Yeah, who was it? Scott Sinclair scored about like 100 goals in, in a season there like a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I think it may have been 99 actually. But, uh, <laughs> I go to my local team, St Johnston, quite a lot and whenever I sell it come to town it's just mayhem. There's no way they should be added in. <laughs> but maybe if you added a few more IPOs of Scottish players or players mm. in the lower leagues of Scotland that could interest them. Yeah, potentially. Obviously, if you'd managed to pick out Andy Robertson, for example, when he was at even Dundee United before he moved down to England, then you could have made a fortune off that. He wouldn't have been expensive at that point. Probably not. I don't think he was expensive in real life. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you could add a few players, I'm not saying you should be adding players from Queen's Park or anyone lower leagues, but maybe some of the up and coming Scottish players could be IPO'd. That could interest a few Scottish football fans a bit more. Maybe something to consider for them. 
for sure. I think even, you know, players in the championship, even though they don't compete for dividends, just having that interest, I think we've seen, you know, Calvin Phillips and a load of other players go up and that's probably from the fans of those clubs or people that watch championship football quite often. Yeah, I think that has led to some unusual raises recently. For example, I think I saw Patrick Bamford went up significantly on the back of Leeds winning. There are some strange movements in the championship, but I think it does add a level of interest too. I mean, if it acquires customers, gets them through the door, and then they understand the platform, then it's, it's no bad thing, is it? And obviously, FI don't have to pay dividends out on those players, so exactly, kind yeah. of a win-win-win. Yeah, although my Forest friend that signed up immediately went and bought every Forest player that was on the end, <laughs> not fully understanding the rules, but I told him about that. <laughs> it's just to get yourself, you know, buy a few things and just understand how they work, really, isn't it? I think he's now sold them all apart from one, so he's getting to grips with it a bit more now. <laughs> fair play, fair play. Well, mate, I think that's all we've got time for today. I don't want to want to keep you too long this evening. Thank you so much for coming on, especially in these uh, trying times. But then I guess it's kind of to my advantage since everyone's going to be at home these days. Exactly, yeah. I seem to be the only person in the country that's still having to go into work at the minute as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, or I mean, unfortunately, I think that'll probably stop soon, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I think it's Friday for us. So. Where can people find out more about you? Just Twitter, really. I can't actually remember my handle. At Iceberg Index. You're more prepared than me. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily had it just in front of me now. Any other words of wisdom, anything else to say to anyone listening uh, about anything really? Just be patient really. I know a lot of people have taken a bit of money out, but I think the general consensus on Twitter is be patient and I would agree with that. We'll get through this all and we'll get back to where we were before, I think, on the way up. While well, you're uh, soothing Scottish dulcet tones there, I'm sure <laughs> we'll be uh, soothing a lot of listeners. If you guys are commuting, which I think I, I hope you're not by now, then have a great commute and hope this eased you through it. If you guys are not commuting, working from home or doing whatever you're doing, then I hope this really helps you out through being these testing times for everyone. Uh, wash your hands and all that jazz. And remember, Football Index is a gambling company. It's a gambling platform. Only bet what you can afford to lose and read the rules, understand what you're betting on. Thanks very much for all your questions. Sorry if we didn't get to answer all of them. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great day.